Hey guys, it is Jason with Whatsoever is True. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for listening again. And like I said, your host, Jason Coral. And today's topic is what is the biggest mistake a Christian makes and how to avoid it? Okay, let's uh, let's talk about that, shall we? Jump right into it because I have no technological skills whatsoever. I am just a man with a microphone and a MacBook right now. And, I, and I'm just assuming you're listening to this because you really... You know, hey, the world throws a lot of stuff at you, a lot of graphics, a lot of media, a lot of, a lot of stuff to entertain you. I don't care about entertaining you. The whole pur- purpose of this is this, this podcast is like Mike Tyson in his prime, walking into the ring, no robe, no socks, just you know, sneakers, gloves, ready to hit people. You know, I've got a microphone, and I want to talk about the word of the Lord. And that is the biggest mistake that we make, not being in Scripture, period. That's it, simple as that. Let's let's unpack it, of course, and 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 get into why that is. Now, first and foremost, I want to clear up some misconceptions about it that probably will hinder you, especially if you're a new Christian. You know, it, it goes for all of us, but uh, especially if you're a new Christian. First and foremost, listen. Though all Scripture is God breathed, right, and it's profitable for instruction and in righteousness. Now, this means that every part of Scripture is God talking. God breathe. Take a look at it this way. See, let's say the Apostle Paul or Luke or Peter or Isaiah or whoever, whatever author, whatever human vessel God used to 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 write Scripture. They're like a, a literally a, a ship at sea with the sail up, and and the Holy Spirit, God breathe. You know, the, the God is directing that ship, but it's still a ship. So, in case you're kind of curious about that, I've always thought that was one of the best ways to really understand what what it means for something to be the inspired words of the Lord. Now, obviously, there's great Christian authors out there working today. Uh, I, I benefit greatly from the works of great Christian authors, and I, and I hope that you do too. But but that doesn't make them Scripture. Uh, scripture is God-breathed. And that was generally, you know, we can get into that subject another time, you know, written by prophets and, you know, or the apostles and so forth. So as it goes now, all scripture is God breathed. Let's understand that because people will come back and say, well, you know, I, I, I'm not interested in doctrine. I was just interested in Jesus. Well, Jesus is the second uh, person of the Trinity. And so therefore anything said in Genesis or Exodus or Leviticus or, or first Kings or Job or Isaiah or Ezekiel, anything said in scripture is Jesus Christ. All And, and it's pointing to Jesus Christ, you know, that, that God is not divisible and he is not going to play one part of his of his character over against another part. So don't make the mistake of thinking that certain parts of scripture are not profitable. Now that being said, there's another thing of, of, of going, okay, well, uh, you know, which translation of the Bible is best? Okay, you've got some folks out there, you may have met them, that, that rail furiously against anything other than, say, the King James Version. Um, I, I think that that is, you know, their earnestness is wonderful and their steadfastness for trying to get as close to the, the will of the Lord is, is, is fantastic. However, if it's not, if you're not reading the Septuagint, you're not reading, you know, the, the original language, the original autograph, if you will, then, you know, you're going to take the, you're taking a translation. Now, that doesn't mean it's not the word of God, though. Okay, obviously, we have great scholarship available to us today of, of scholars that have been able to understand better 
the the languages that they translated them in from. You know, the the especially Koine Greek, most you know, the New Testament, and and and, and certainly in Hebrew. Um, you're going to look at these languages, and if you don't know them yourself, it, that's not going to stifle you from understanding Scripture because the Holy Spirit will quicken you and will open your mind up to those words. So there's wonderful translations of, say, the more literal translations, and I suggest you stay with those. Now, King James Version is one of them, uh, a literal meaning. It's basically a word-for-word translation, the best they can get in getting it from the original language into our language, which in this case is English for, for us, for me. And uh, you've got the ESV, the English Standard Version, the NASB, uh, the NIV. Those are fine, fine translations. And you're not going to go to hell for reading a, a translation that is is different than, than the King James. Okay, so th- those are fine ones. ESV, I, I generally read the ESV and the I like the Amplified, and you've got Bible apps out there today that you can, instead of paying $100 for a Bible, a parallel Bible that gives you different, different translations of it, you can get that on an app. So this is a wonderful time to be living, so please avail yourself of that if you, if you get a chance to do it. You know, a number of years ago, I was up in New York, my, my old hometown, and I had to pick up my nephew and bring him back to South Carolina. And I was up there for business, and, and so uh, you know, I'd driven up, I had a rental car, and, and, and a, a business guy of mine, a friend of mine, they were driving back. So I, I, I take my nephew from my sister's, drive him down, because he's to spend a, a summer month with, with my mom, who was down here. And the minute we come off like the interstate, and we're in, we're in the south, this, this eight-year-old is looking around, and he goes, wow. There's a lot of churches here, <laughs> you know. It's a lot of churches here, and I thought that was hilarious. And you know, you're living in a golden age of biblical literature. Avail yourself of it, and and don't worry about. You know, some people like the Message Bible. That's more a paraphrase, a thought for thought. The Message would give you, or something similar to that, would give you a understanding of kind of the way the people hearing the original verse of it. Would, would have heard it, per, perhaps. You know, it's kind of putting it in today's vernacular. Now, that's going to get away from a literal translation, and I wouldn't make that my primary Bible study, but it, it's very good. It could be very helpful and, and inspirational for you. So, you know, there's different study Bibles out there. Uh, I like the Ligonier Study Bible. Like John MacArthur has a tremendous study Bible. Uh, some good friends of mine gifted me that last year. That's a, that's a systematic theology degree almost in and of itself you know you can you can you can get so much more bible information and knowledge today than you could have ever you've had to go to seminary years ago and and once again i would suggest you know podcasts like this uh will, will kind of help steer you but never take away from the central unity of scripture in your life you know so don't don't get in in the you know i like i like this bible teacher i like that bible teacher i like this bible uh translation or whatever. It is the Bible. It's the Word of God. It's, it's, it's God speaking. So that's the key. We can get bogged down in other things and, and lose sight of what we're, what we're in, in attempting and endeavoring to do. So hopefully those, those kind of get, get, get things out of the way. And that, now, next, you've got to understand that the Bible is literally the Word of God. Now, this is the other area where I think people make the biggest mistake. It's not just a case of, and I know I did when I was a young Christian, when I was a young man too, and 
you, you, you don't understand what it means when it's said that the Bible is the literal word of God and it's, it's, it's inerrant. Now, this, this, is, this is a point of contention. You will hear critics come back and say, well, there's a lot of errors in the Bible. There's, there's, there's thousands of errors in the Bible. There's some scribal discrepancies. Somebody, for example, it's a, like it's a typo. Somebody, one of the scribes dropped the comma, you know, didn't capitalize something, and then they count that as an error. That is not what we mean when we say it's literally the Word of God. If you have a typo in front of you, that doesn't mean that the thought itself is now an error. Okay, so that is a, it's a, a brazen attack on the integrity of Scripture intended to bring your central focus and commitment, heart commitment, away from God's revelation. Now, I want to really zero in on this. If, as a Christian, you're not living by the word of the Lord, the Scripture, you're not living as a Christian. You're living as, a, as sort of a, a, a half, you're living a half life. Your heart commitment must be to God, and God has communicated to us through Scripture. Right? Delight yourself in the will of the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4. Uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. Uh, agree with God, and it will go well with you. I can go on and on and on with this. And sanctify them in your, in your word. Your word is truth. Well, nowhere in Scripture does it suggest that you should go anywhere else but Scripture to get the good life and to know the will of the Lord. So any attack on the integrity of the word of the Lord and the efficacy of it and the, and the sovereignty of it, the authority of it, is an attack on God himself. And you must be very careful with this. Now, the Bible is literally the word of God, which means it's also literature. So you have to understand that. When he says that God has, a, has sheep on a thousand hills, does that mean he doesn't have 1,000, there's not 1,001 hills in the world? Okay, you have to understand when the Bible is using figurative language. Clearly, we understand he's, he says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Because it's better for you to, to enter into life maimed than to, than to perish and go into hell with your whole body. Now, clearly, that's hyperbole. Jesus was saying that to, to accentuate the, the graphic nature of the, the consequences of sin. But we know from other scripture that you can't, your hand can't cause you to sin. Sin is a heart problem. It's a heart, it's a central commitment issue. So we know that's hyperbole. And hy, you know, hyperbole is a literary device. Uh, so when you're reading the word of the Lord, you have to understand what type of word you're reading. If you're in Psalms, you're in Proverbs, uh, your Song of Solomon, you've got poetic and you've got wisdom literature. You've got uh, historical literature, like the book of Acts, Luke, the Gospels, Right? You've got the letters of the New Testament. That's just another type of literature, the, the epistles. You have apocalyptic literature, especially the book of Revelation, book Daniel and, and the prophecies. There's a lot of, of word pictures in there designed to present an image to you, not to necessarily to be taken literally. That's the danger. You can go, wait a minute, if it's literally the word of God, I have to take everything in here literally. But if you did that with the other issues, like I just said, uh, that's what they said with one of the hard sayings of Jesus when, when many left him and abandoned him. That you have to eat my body, right? My flesh. And they go, huh? What? And drink my blood? What? And, and in fact, some people accuse Christians early in the Christian era of being cannibals because they heard this language and it made no sense to them. 
clearly Christ was using figurative language of the, his, his blood being poured out on the cross as a, as a sacrifice. And then remember all of the Old Testament sacrificial system was pointing forward to that. You know, the blood of lambs and goats and, and it wasn't going to wasn't going to work in terms of getting rid of the sin problem. It was looking forward to Christ on the cross. So, no, Christians are not cannibals. Now, that could help, should help clear up the Bible is a literal word of God issue for you. So you can look at it and you have to think, right? So, please, please understand that these are these are you know pretty easy issues to get over once you're aware of them and and hopefully they clear clear some confusion up and and you don't end up vexed by them and then therefore have your confidence sapped. You know you don't have an easy reading of it. There's there's some parts of it that would be very difficult, especially Old Testament parts, where if you're not really aware of of the ancient world and ancient Judaism, you're you're gonna have a little bit of a, a dry go at it. But uh, and for that level, it might work for you to read a, a like a, the message version of that and then go over to read something, uh, this more literal word for word. So that, that's fine. Definitely get some good commentaries. I, I strongly suggest James Montgomery Boyce. I love Montgomery Boyce. I like uh, R.C. Sproul. I love John MacArthur. Uh, you know, you look at people like that. Charles Spurgeon has great writings out there. You can access most of that stuff for free these days and become literally, without having to go and, and, and go to school or whatever, you can become, a, a, a especially compared to, you know, history, a Bible scholar. Right here, all of this technology that a lot of us are using for, for things, you know, just sitting there and watching Netflix and, and other stuff and playing video games, you could be using to be, you know, to go to, to, go to a home seminary. And I strongly suggest that because the law of the Lord, you know, the word of the Lord, the counsel of the Lord is greater than anything, any other possession you can possibly have. The Lord has communicated with us through scripture. How would we not want to know that? Think about that for just a second, right? Think about that. Of everything that you think you want in life, you have the Holy Scriptures open for you. So you know that. If you look at this life as preparation to be really living in the true life of the, of the age to come, You'll, you'll be much more enthusiastic about about reading the word. So, okay, so and again, that's the biggest mistake that we make is we don't rightly see the necessity and the centrality of the word of the Lord in our lives. Um, so let me wrap this up with the final, my final point is that is the Christian that believes the word of the Lord and orders his life around it as the essential authority of his life is going to live a blessed life. That's not to say you're not going to have challenges, but it is to say you're not going to have problems. And I define that as challenges are going to come externally just from living in a, in a fallen world. And, and the vicissitudes of you know, time, the politics, the economy, uh, you know, health, things like that. Problems have come from sin. You know, your sin. Not doing what you should have done. Doing something you shouldn't have done. Those will be problems. And you can't drift along, Christian. You can't do that. You have to be involved. And so, a Christian life centered around the authority of the Word of the Lord. Remember, here's the, here's the thing. The authority of the Word of the Lord. It is authoritative over you. Whatever God speaks, it is authoritative. Isn't it? it isn't a suggestion. It is the Lord speaking. And when you order your life that way, and you see that, what does the Lord say to his servant is the central question upon your heart. 
you will you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Unfortunately, the vast majority of, of Christians that I know, I, I talk to I talk to Christians a lot, and how little they quote scripture. And I don't mean they have to know chapter and verse of everything, but even the thought of it doesn't really come up in their in their conversation. That is really, really a tragedy. A great tragedy. The great tragedy of our time. And we've come up with that because we've 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 taken the lie of the world and we've been conformed to it. That is, we don't have a central authority over us. That we are moral and intellectual free agents. And and ready? You have to think for yourself. No, you have to think according to God's law. What thinking for yourself is what caused the fall of mankind. You want to think biblically, Christian. That's what you want to do. Anything that crosses your mind, anything that crosses your attention, anything, anybody says anything, the first thought in your heart and your head ought to be, what does the scripture say? Now, obviously, there could be cases where you think to yourself, well, should I take a job over here or a job over there? You know, you're not going to find a chapter and verse for that, right? You're not going to go to the, the, something in Genesis 49 and, you know, uh, hey, Bob, you know, move, move to Chicago, become an accountant. You know, it's not that easy. What's going on is that the principles of Scripture, you know, you take Romans 12, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable for, you know, this is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewal of your mind. That by, ready? Testing. You may, you may be able to discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That should clue, you, clue us in. Testing. We have to think. That's the other issue that's directly connected these two. Christians aren't living biblically because Christians don't want to think. You have a responsibility to think biblically. Being stupid is a sin. Sorry, it is. And, and, and now, let's be, let's be clear. When I said, being, I said be stupid, and that is willfully ignorant. You may not, you may not have the, the deepest vocab, the greatest, grandest, uh, most voluminous vocabulary. You may not be the most technically sound person. Hey, look, at, look at me with, with, uh, with, with computers here. Anyway, right? That, that's not what I'm talking about. Living stupidly is living ignorantly, is not thinking deeply about Scripture, and, and not submitting yourself to the Word of the Lord. That's what it means. It means, it means accepting a false premise. The false premise is that you can drift through in neutrality. You can't. You've got to focus your mind. So anything that comes across your mind, you have to go, what does the word of the Lord say? Okay? And then you have to submit to it, as Joshua would do. What does the Lord say to his servant? That is, and that is the central cry of every Christian. And you search the principles of Scripture and then apply them to the particulars of your life. That is Christian living. I'll say that again. Living biblically means that you search the principles of Scripture, apply them to the principles of your life. That will lead to prayer. Prayer without Scripture reading is going to lead you into trouble. Okay? Scripture reading without prayer will lead you into error and, 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 and aridness. They both go hand in hand. And the reason I said the greatest mistake was not reading scripture rather than praying was because you're praying to someone you know. The more you know him, the more you're in awe of him, right? The more, you, the more we know God, the more we're in awe of him, period, 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 okay? So, and then, but we're going to know him. 
we're gonna we're gonna know what to what to ask him. We're gonna know what in this what in what type of spirit, what type of what type of mindset we should be communicating with him in. So one without the other is 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 really impossible. Okay, so they they, they go hand in hand. They are flip sides of the same coin. But but one thing, if you don't know what to pray for, flip open Psalm one nineteen. Start praying from Psalm one nineteen. If you don't know what to pray for, go pray for. And if you don't know what to pray for, when your emotions are are, are tempestuous and you're you're having some problems and and the, the tides of life are battering you, then then there's a psalm for you, right? You have 65 books written in the Bible, uh, you know, to you and one written for you. And that, and, and that way, in regard would be psalms. You you can find something if you don't know your emotions. Psalms, a psalm, you will find it, guarantee it. There's not an emotion you're going to go through in life. There's 150 psalms in there. Something is going to catch you right now where you're at. Okay, you can just pray that and meditate on it. You can get on your knees, open that book. You can start reading some lines from it, and uh, off you go. You you will, you will be moved, and you will be lifted up. You your your mind will be open to great things from the Word of the Lord, and it will help you understand Him and have a real relationship with Him. You can't do it on your own will. You can't do it according to your own thinking. You can't do it according to the philosophies of this world. You do it because you have a central commitment to the authority of the word of the Lord in your life. And that is exactly what's missing in culture. So the greatest mistake Christians make is still living in the spirit of the age, which is, did, did God really say? That's the question. Of course he did, right? And so if you, if you want to clear up your life and you want to clear up your thinking, well, let me back this up. You want to clip your life, clip your thinking. You want to clip your thinking, stop it with the neutrality principle. Don't go, well, I can't just think of the Bible all the time because not everybody's going to accept that. Who cares if they everybody else accepts it? You accept it. Somebody asks you, should you wear a mask? What does the Bible say? What does Scripture say? Should you do X? What does the Bible say? Right? Should you, should you go out with this girl or that boy? What does the Bible say? Right? What, what does the Bible say about relationships? What does the Bible say about marriage? What does the Bible say about work? What does the Bible say? All of these things will make straight your paths. If you don't do that, you will then be conformed to this world. Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In other words, you're already conformed to it in sin. You have to be renewed, and you have a Christ-like mind. And that Christ-like mind is what? When Christ was tempted, what was he doing? He quoted scripture. Right? He didn't quote Plato. He didn't quote Aristotle. He didn't quote Kant. Right? He didn't quote a movie. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't come up with a great Mark Twain one-liner. He quoted scripture. Not to say that any of those other things can't be true, but it is to say that, that when it's talking about truth, period, we've got to go to scripture. All right, so that's, that's wrapping it up. The central authority of all of our lives, it needs to be in scripture. And if we don't read scripture, we're clearly not going to be submitting to it. We're not going to be setting our minds on it. We are commanded. Romans 12 hits us after 11 soaring chapters of doctrine. We get, okay, now what? Hey, don't be conformed to this world. That is, don't be thinking your own thoughts after yourself. Don't be looking to your professors and, and Hollywood or the media or whatever else, whatever else is feeding your mind. And your mind is going to be fed. Remember, Jesus said, man can't live by bread alone, but by every word out of the mouth of God. When you're fed through scripture, you will be healthy. You will be spiritually vibrant. And that spiritual vibrancy will 
bubble over into every other aspect of your life. Okay? And the way to do this is that you're trained. You pray for it and train for it. Read Psalm 119 again if you want. But after to turn this podcast off, open up Psalm 119 and just start going through that, that chapter. It is an incredible chapter. And Christians of, of yore used to literally memorize the entire chapter. Right? It's the entire chapter. Instead of fiddling around on Facebook back in you know, 1750, they knew Psalm 119. And uh, you know, they hide the word of the Lord in their hearts so they wouldn't sin against him. And they'd be able to make sense of life. That's how you have a, a, a man like Jonathan Edwards, as unbelievably wise as he was at 19, 20, 21 years old. The future is before you. If you're a young person listening to this, you have the wisdom of God at your fingertips. Psalm 119, you, you'll read it if you, if you take my advice and open it up. It says, and I'm wiser than my teachers because why? Not because he doesn't say I'm wiser than my teachers because I'm brilliant. <laughs> he doesn't say that. Because he seeks wisdom in the word of the Lord. Right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, beloved. So keep, keep reading and, and immerse yourself in it and ask God to bless you in it. And he's not a fault finder, James says. He's not going to say, they go, well, what took you so long, doofus? You know, I know we would do that, but, <laughs> but he's not going to do that because he's, he's, he's our great God and Heavenly Father who, while we are yet sinners, died for us. He's not going to sit there and go, well, it's too late. You know, it's not, it's, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have, shouldn't have been watching, watching Netflix so much, okay? <laughs> Wasting time. If you go to him in humility with, with an open mind, an open heart, and say, Lord, feed me, your servant comes to you for wisdom. You will be fed, and uh, it will be the greatest decision you can ever make in your life, period. Okay, well, that's it for today. Uh, this is Jason. Whatsoever is true. Thank you so much for listening to, like I said, the Mike Tyson of podcast. You know, no socks, no robe, just gloves and sneakers ready to, ready to hit stuff with the word of the Lord. <laughs> Hope you guys have a great day, and this was edifying for you, and I'll catch you next time.